Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Goal Line Podcast. Yet again, I do not have a co-host today, unless you count my dog, who is sitting and sleeping right next to me right now as my co-host. But I'm basically alone. I'm the only one who could speak English in the call. Uh, I want to start today by talking about the Xavier Howard requesting a trade. And overall, a lot of stuff happened today. And this is an episode I've been looking forward to recording all week. Because a lot of these topics, like the Nick Chubb extension and the Aaron Rodgers thing, I'm extremely excited to talk about that. But let's start with another really big topic that involves a superstar player supposedly wanting to leave his team, Xavier Howard. Now, it's no secret, Xavier Howard, one of the best cornerbacks in the league, and he's a very high-value player. But very few people know that before last year, he actually signed a contract with the Dolphins that gave him a decent amount of money. But after the season he had last year, after signing the contract, of course, he wants more money. And the Dolphins are refusing to give him that. So now he's requesting a trade over a contract dispute. And I wrote down six major landing spots for him. My honorable mention, my sixth spot, is the Saints which a lot of people are throwing into this conversation. But I don't really see it because at the time that I'm recording it, that I'm recording this, Prince Amukumara is currently on a visit with the Saints. And they already have Marshawn Lattimore. They're just looking for a complimentary guy. And I don't see the Saints giving up that many assets just to get a second cornerback. So I think that they are going to sign Prince Amukumara. And then he'll be their second cornerback. I think that that would be overall a pretty solid cornerback duo. Prince Amukamara is obviously on the later side of his career. But Marson Lattimore is a stud. And I think him and Prince Amukamara will make a pretty decent cornerback duo. So I don't see why they would give up a first round pick for Xavier Howard. My number five landing spot for him is the 49ers. As we know, they don't have Richard Sherman anymore. And Richard Sherman wasn't too good of a cornerback when he was on the team anyway. They still have Jason Verrett, who is pretty good. He was a breakout star player last year. Or I wouldn't say star, but he was a breakout player last year who had a pretty solid season. But now they're losing Robert Sala, and I would understand why they would make a trade for a star defensive player like Xavier Howard to pair with Jason Verrett. And maybe as Jason Verrett becomes a better corner, they all of a sudden find themselves able to lock down some of these teams with two star receivers like the Titans. So I, I really would like this move. The 49ers don't really have a lot of stuff to give up for uh, Xavier Howard. I think that they would have to give away. Do they have their first-round pick next year? I'm pretty sure they traded it away 
Yeah, yeah, they traded up to get Trey Lance. So now they don't have their first-round pick next year. So I don't think that they'll be able to trade for Xavier Howard using picks necessarily. But the Dolphins are a team that want to contend. The 49ers could give them a pretty good player, maybe. Maybe they trade away, like, Jimmy Ward because they do have a need at the safety spot. And maybe if Tua doesn't play well, they throw in Garoppolo, right? And then Trey Lance is their starter. I think I just made that up on the spot, but I think that that would actually work pretty well. My number four spot here is the Titans. Now, the Titans did just draft Caleb Farley, but rookie cornerbacks are never really that good, or very rarely that good. And, of course, the Titans want to make a playoff run this year because they definitely have the talent, at least on the offensive side of the ball, to do it. And I think getting Xavier Howard would make that defense a lot better because right now their defense is a huge liability. I mean, I look at it. Mike Rabel's supposed to be a defensive-minded coach. He doesn't make a good enough scheme to make up for their lack of talent. So I do I like Caleb Farley. I think if he could bounce back from the injury he got before the draft, he could be pretty solid, but a rookie cornerback can only be so good. So I think they should try and get Xavier Howard. Now my number three team, and at first I wanted to put the team at number one, but I looked at cap space, and then there's two more teams that have a little bit more leeway in the money department. And they have a higher chance of being able to give Xavier Howard the contract that he wants and deserves. But still, I have the Cardinals at three, assuming that they could free up some cap space. And I mean, they still have a decent amount. Or at least next season, they still have a decent amount. But the Cardinals, I mean, they also have a player, a, a very, very good defensive player, that is requesting a trade. And they do need a corner. And this star defensive player that I'm talking about, Chandler Jones. Coming off an injury, I know, and he's a little bit old. But he, last time he was healthy, he led the league in sacks. The last time he had a full season, he led the entire NFL in sacks. So he still is really good. And I think if the Cardinals give away Chandler Jones and a fourth-round pick, for Xavier Howard, I think that would be a great deal for both teams because they may be losing their defensive talent. They may be losing some players that have been with the team for a while and have been the foundation of their defenses, but they're getting another player that could be the foundation of their defense. The Dolphins do need an edge rusher, and the Cardinals do need a cornerback, so I think it would be a really good deal for both of them because Chandler Jones wants out of Arizona. Xavier Howard wants out of Miami. Makes sense to swap the two now. I personally just would love to see that happen, and I think that that would be a great deal for both teams. But yet again, the cap space is kind of what prevents me from putting that team at number one. My number two, the Seattle Seahawks. The Seattle Seahawks have been at kind of a weird point in their team. I like to call it playoff purgatory. 
they've been in that spot for a while now. They keep making it to the playoffs and then losing in the first or second round. Keeps happening. And they need a player like Xavier Howard, just some stud. They need a star to bring that team back to life, and maybe they make the NFC Championship. They need someone like that. Because they haven't been drafting all that well. They haven't found a bo- an, another Bobby Wagner. Because Bobby Wagner is getting older. They haven't found a replacement for him. And this is probably going to be the last year that you have an elite linebacker like Bobby Wagner. I saw last year, and everyone saw. It was breaking news at the time. The Seahawks tried to get a star defensive player, Jamal Adams, and they did. But the thing was, he wasn't exactly much of a star. And I think that that might be what's preventing them from wanting to get a player like Xavier Howard back on the team. I think that the idea of, yeah, we'll give up all these assets for a player like Xavier Howard just for the player to kind of suck... Like Jamal, or Jamal Adams didn't suck, but for him to not be worth what they gave up for him. I think that's kind of scaring them away from getting another superstar through trading. And I, I understand it, but in the NFL, if you want to be a team like the Buccaneers, if you want to be a team like the Chiefs, you got to trade, you got to get those star players. And the Seahawks clearly can't do it through drafting, so they got to trade for them. But yet again, they're another team. They don't have the draft capital, really, because that Jamal Adams trade that I just mentioned, they gave up their first-round pick last year and their first-round pick for this year. So they're also going to be an, another team that has to give up a player. Now, my number one team, and this team, I think, is the team that probably will trade for him because they are my number one. Makes sense. Duh. Of course they're the team I think will trade for him. But it's just so obvious, to me at least. The Chargers. Now, they're a team. They could contend, but the thing is they're in a tough division. And they need a player that could stop Mahomes. In that Chiefs versus Dolphins game, one of the standout players was Xavier Howard. He he looked like the kryptonite to Mahomes' Superman. He really did in that game. Now, even though the Dolphins lost that game, it was still pretty close, despite their offense not really being able to put up that many points. And I think Xavier Howard was the reason that that game was so close. Xavier Howard is Mahomes' kryptonite. He is. And that's why I think the Chargers need Xavier Howard. Because if they have Xavier Howard and their offense is as explosive as it looks like it will be on paper... The Chargers could easily beat the Chiefs twice, both the times they play them. I really think it's very possible, very possible. If they get Xavier Howard, that defense, especially with a great defensive mind like Brandon Staley, I think that they could beat Mahomes, and then that offense is so talented with Justin Herbert under center, a brand-new offensive line. Keenan Allen, I think, is a very, very good receiver. I honestly think if they get Xavier Howard, that defense will be scary. Because that's their biggest weakness right now, if you ask me. I think the Chargers' biggest weakness is their cornerbacks. 
They don't really have a player that could stop Tyreek Hill. They don't have someone like that. And they're going to need to stop it. Because you are not going to survive in the same division as the Chiefs if you don't have a star corner. Because Tyreek Hill is just that scary. And even if you do have Xavier Howard, it's going to be kind of hard to beat him. But I mean, on the Dolphins, when the Dolphins played the Chiefs last year, Xavier Howard matched up against him pretty well. So I think the Chargers are definitely the team that should be trying to get Xavier Howard as hard as possible. And they have enough cap space to get him. They really do. I think the Chargers are far and away my favorite to get him. Now let's move on to Nick Chubb, his extension. Star running back, he was a standout player on the Browns. And he has been since he was drafted. He's been a very, very good running back. Their offensive line, the Browns' offensive line is very good. And they over that entire team on paper could be the most talented in the league. I mean, if you look at it, very talented. But I don't think any... I don't think their offense functions at all if you take out Nick Chubb. I really don't. Now, even though they have Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb is just so important because he draws so much attention from the defense to that running back spot. He makes teams stack the box, and that allows Baker Mayfield to take advantage of it. Baker Mayfield is one of the best quarterbacks in the league off play action. That's no secret. He's very good at faking the handoff. And mix that with a running back that teams don't really want to tackle? I mean, that's a pretty deadly duo. And then also add Kareem Hunt and one of the best offensive lines in football with it? Now, that is just an offense that could win Super Bowls. It really is. And I think the Browns, if they're able to keep this roster together, because it is a young roster, and they have a great head coach too, if they're able to keep this roster together, I see them being the NFL's next dynasty. Coming from a Steelers fan, keep that in mind. I think that this team has so much talent, a lot of young talent too. And Nick Chubb is a big part of that. So I think they had to lock him in. And now he's under contract until 2025. Normally, I hate paying running backs. I really always, most of the time, I find it to be a terrible idea to pay a running back big money. Because there's so much injury concern. And when a running back gets injured, a lot of the time, it derails their entire career. And they always just come back as a shadow of them former self. But it's only a three-year deal. Like, it could be worse. And he's not getting paid too, too much. He's getting paid a lot. But he's not getting paid, like, a lot. He's not getting paid, like, a blockbuster deal. He's getting paid a lot of money. But he's not getting paid, like, Ezekiel Elliott money or Kristen McCaffrey money. Even though I think Nick Chubb is better than Ezekiel Elliott. And he's up there with McCaffrey. I really do. Now, they also have Kareem Hunt, which is another big reason that I like this Nick Chubb move. Because having Kareem Hunt is someone that will steal snaps from Nick Chubb and will steal carries from Nick Chubb. The less opportunities you give Nick Chubb to get injured, the better. Because I I always think having running back by committee, or really just having a good duo of running backs, 
is the best strategy as a coach because that minimizes injury and minimizing injury means that you're minimizing wasted money. So I I really, really like this move. I'm a big fan of it. The Browns have a lot of players that they're going to have to pay in the future. And I think the best thing that they could have done was give Nick Chubb a deal like this. First, I, I do, because it sets the tone for the rest of the rebuild. Because it shows you, yeah, Baker Mayfield is special, but Nick Chubb is really the guy we're building around. You get Nick Chubb, right? And now you have more of a reason to upgrade that offensive line, more of a reason to pay Baker Mayfield. Because the offensive line doesn't, or Nick Chubb doesn't work without the offensive line. And honestly, I don't think Baker Mayfield would be anywhere near as successful without Nick Chubb. Because like I said, he's a play-action passer. He needs the running game. He needs it. Now let's move on to another very, very good quarterback. Or not very, very good, but a quarterback that was super good, but then kind of fell off a cliff. Kind of the opposite of Baker Mayfield, if you think about it. Baker Mayfield was a quarterback that started off, sure he had a good rookie year, but then he had a little bit of a slump, and then he went back up. Meanwhile, Carson Wentz, it's hard to get a read on him, really. I mean, I personally, before this year, before last year, he, he, I thought he was an elite quarterback going into last year. I'm not afraid to admit it. I really did. But then he just fell apart. Fell apart. He looked terrible. Terrible last year. But now he's reunited with his new offensive coordinator. But on the injury bug bit. And that's been a theme throughout his entire career, really. He he gets injured a lot. A lot. And it's been a big problem. A huge problem for him. Now, let me, let me tell you it how their offensive coordinator said it. How the Colts' offensive coordinator said it. He claimed that he had a that Carson Wentz felt a twinge in his foot as he rolled out for a pass, and the Colts are still waiting on details for the injury. Still, now maybe I'm overreacting a little bit, but I I like to look at stuff as the worst case scenario. I really do when it comes to injuries, at least. And I think you you look at. A lot of the signs, now, the Colts have a history of downplaying major injuries. Think about it, 2017 and 2019, they did it with Andrew Luck. 2011, they did it with Peyton Manning. They they have a history of downplaying major injuries. If you don't know those three injuries that I just talked about, look them up. 2017, Andrew Luck injury. 2019, Andrew Luck injury. The 2019 one, by the way, made him retire. And the 2011 one with Peyton Manning, he didn't play the entire season. And same for the 2017 one with Andrew Locke. They have a history of downplaying these injuries. And then, like I said, Carson Wentz, a lot of injury history. A lot of major injury history. He gets banged up a lot. And that's been a big theme, a big issue throughout his entire career. So I'm not very optimistic about this. I'll be honest. And I think the worst case scenario, and may, 
yet again, this could just be me being over dramatic. But I always like to look at stuff, what's the worst it could be? Or at least with injuries, that's how I look at it. And, I mean, I think it's very possible. It's a very real possibility. Maybe it's not likely, but it's a real possibility that Andrew, that Carson Wentz, I was talking about Andrew Luck a little bit too much, Carson Wentz doesn't play the entire year. I, I, I know, very dramatic way of looking at it. Maybe he only misses a couple of games. Maybe he doesn't even miss a game. Very possible. And honestly, I think that's definitely best case scenario. Right now, they're looking at a week one return. Uh, if it was maybe another team, like, I don't know, the Vikings, the Patriots, maybe if it was a team like that, I would have a little bit more faith and be more willing to take in their take their words. But the Colts, they, like I said, they have a history of downplaying these injuries. But the good news, Colts fans, the good news, this guy, Jacob Eason, I'm, I'm a little bit of a fan. I like him. I, I have liked him since he came out of college. In that draft that they took him, I thought it was so stupid that they took him, that he fell all the way to the fourth round. I have no idea how that even happened. It was a steal for you to get him in the fourth round. I wanted my Pittsburgh Steelers to draft him in the second round instead of Chase Claypool. I really did. He has a big arm, amazing deep ball, a very, very good deep ball. I've ne- I'm gonna be honest. I've I haven't seen a quarterback fall that far with when they throw that good of a deep ball. I haven't, and he also has really really good pocket presence. And you know you listen to that. He also has a huge frame, very big quarterback, a hard quarterback to bring down. I mean, he kind of. Re- this is why I wanted the Steelers to get him because he kind of reminds me. Of a Ben Roethlisberger. In terms of how he plays. Very similar to Ben Roethlisberger. And I think that. His ceiling. Is maybe not a Hall of Fame career. Like Ben Roethlisberger. But a play style like Ben Roethlisberger. That could extend plays. Break a couple of sacks. And then throw that ball downfield. In a perfect tight window. Just a perfect ball. Over the shoulder. I mean that that's what he does. And I, I really, really like Jacob Eason, or at least his ceiling. Now he is a raw, he is a raw prospect, and that's a little bit worrying for him to be starting this early in his career. At least he's not starting his rookie year. He had a year to develop. I mean, I'm still not very competent in, or I'm not very confident in him being able to lead the Colts to the playoffs. I think if Carson Wentz doesn't play the entire year, let's be honest. I'm I'm not going to tell you some lie, some pipe dream. Jacob Eason isn't going to lead the Colts to the playoffs if Carson Wentz doesn't play the entire year. But I do think he could I think he could lead them to like a 7 win season. I I think that's possible. Absolutely. I I think that their defense now a lot of people knock on the Colts defense for being very simple in terms of scheme. They just send a lot of basic zone concepts. Never really blitz much. They're not they're not a team that reinvents the wheel. But I don't really think you have to. If you have the talent that the Colts do, I think Xavier Rhodes 
an absolute stud. I think he's very underrated. Kenny Moore, I really like. Then they also have in that linebacker court, Darius Leonard, I think. He's the best linebacker in football. I would take him over Fred Warner. I think Darius Leonard's the best linebacker in all of football. Then DeForest Buckner, he's definitely my second best edge, my second best interior defensive tackle in the league. He's a stud. And the only reason he's the second best is because we have that cheat code of a defender, Aaron Donald. I think DeForest Buckner is a monster. And I I mean I, I just really like the talent that this roster has. The Colts have. Now, yet again, they they don't send out the most complex schemes, but you don't have to when you have that much talent. You don't have to. And then on offense, they don't need their quarterback to be Patrick Mahomes. They don't need their quarterback to be Peyton Manning. If they just have someone that could hand the ball off to Jonathan Taylor, Marlon Mack, and Naheem Hines, that'll work fine. They have Quinn and Nelson on the offensive line. I mean, he could just knock down seven people in a play. Like, he's a stud. One of the best, if not the best, guard I've ever seen play football. He, he's amazing. And I think Jonathan Taylor, Marlon Mack, and Naheem Himes, they have a luxury of having that offensive line block for them. I honestly think that they don't need to throw the ball that much. I don't think it makes much of a difference. I don't think it makes too much of a difference if they don't have Carson Wentz. Of course, having a quarterback like Jacob Eason is going to hurt. That's why I have them only getting seven wins. But it could be worse. If they were a team more dependent on the quarterback, I may not even have them have more than five wins. I... They don't really need Jacob Eason to ball out. They just need someone that won't turn the ball over. Let their running game win them games. Let their defense win their games. They don't need their quarterback to ball out. And overall, I still am a fan of this Colts team. I still think that they're a good team. And that's only worst-case scenario I have them going 7-10. and 10. If Carson Wentz comes back, and yet again, Carson Wentz... Uh, he was pretty bad last year. If he can't bounce back, it's not much of an upgrade over Jacob Eason, in all honesty, because Carson Wentz was really bad. But with Frank Reich back, it's safe to assume Carson Wentz is going to bounce back, or at least play a little bit better than last year. Maybe he won't be the elite quarterback he was years prior, but he'll still be pretty good. I think that this team is going to be around 500 no matter what. But Carson Wentz, if he balls out, that's what's going to get them to the playoff. That's what's going to beat them. That's what's going to beat the Titans. That's what's going to allow them to make the playoffs. Because that's what they need. Uh, On the next side, or on the next part, I'm about to take a break here. We're going to talk about what you all want me to talk about. And something I've been extremely excited to talk about. The Aaron Rodgers situation, him ripping Green Bay after coming back after threatening retirement. That'll be on the next side, and we'll be back. Hope you enjoy listening to the Goal Line Podcast. Welcome back to the Goal Line Podcast. I'm back from my break, and now we're going to go over probably the most interesting thing that happened this week. In my opinion, definitely the most interesting thing that happened this week. Aaron Rodgers. Now... 
Personally, I've been one to expect him to leave. I thought that he was going to. After declining that huge deal, I don't understand why he would come back after not accepting that. But here he is. He's back, and he had a press conference, and the Packers, I don't really understand how you let your franchise quarterback talk about you this way. Now, let's start. There's four main things that I wanted to take note of from the pot, from his press conference. He, st- he claims that the trade rumors and the trade request rumors started because he believed that he should have a say in conversations that affected his job. And I think you, as the franchise quarterback of your team, you should have a little bit to do with it. Fine. Now, I do think the Packers signing uh, Matt LaFleur and hiring Matt LaFleur without telling you, that was just a dick move by them. And I, a little bit, I guess, Jake Kamaru, I hope I pronounced that right, them cutting him without asking you, another thing, kind of a dick move. But you kind of, I think you have to earn that a little bit, okay? He's been their quarterback for a decent while. He should have somewhat of a say in the roster. Fine. But I don't think you should be like, team, get me this guy, get me this player, trade for him. I don't think you should have that. I think you should have the right to know who your next head coach would be. That's fine. And I think you should have a little bit of a say in who gets cut and who doesn't from your team. Fine. But I don't think that you just get the right to say, oh, trade for this player. I think that you have to earn that a little bit. And I think he hasn't. Now, he is a very, very good quarterback, and he has earned some of the stuff. But I don't think you should have complete or even, like, I don't think you should have 25% of the say in who gets traded to what team or who gets traded to your team. I don't. He also said, and I'm going to return to something I meant. I skimmed over a little bit. He wanted this receiver that was on their practice squad, Jake Kumaru, or on their roster for two years, Jake Kumaru. He wanted him to stay on the roster. And that that's fine. I think you do have the right to say which receivers stay on your team. Yeah. But don't exaggerate it and say it was the second best receiver in training camp because he wasn't. You're telling me this receiver that had 349 career receiving yards over three years was the second best receiver in training camp. And if you do think that, right, you right now, you, you just told them to get Randall Cobb and they did it for you. So why don't you go ahead and tell them to trade for him? If he was that good, if he was the second best receiver in training camp, go right ahead. If he was really that good of a player, he wasn't. I know he wasn't because if he really was the second best receiver in training camp, he wouldn't have caught three touchdowns over three years. That that doesn't make sense. He's not that good. You exaggerated. It's that simple. He's not he he's not a receiver so good that you need to threaten to retire because your team caught him. I highly doubt that. 
Now, another thing he said was that he still doesn't know if he's playing after this year. Really, man? Do you really have to say that? Or at least now, right after, right after coming back from threatening to retire. You say, oh, I'm probably not going to play next year, actually. I might not. We'll see. You're just being antagonizing at that point. You're just trying to cause problems at that point. There's n- it, well, Can you at least wait a little while? Can you wait until, like, halfway through the season next year before you say that? Please? And I get it. Someone asked you that. But you could have said, uh, I'm focused on this year right now. Or just, just something. You don't need to say it like this. Because this... Over the entire press conference, he was just being extremely unprofessional and arrogant. And I think the biggest example of this, the biggest example, he thinks that people, or he said that people only come to Green Bay because of him. Come on. Come on. Dude, you're not 12. You're, you're in your 30s. Yet you're acting like a child. People only come to Green Bay for me. What? No. And even if that is true, don't say it. That's just the most... That might have been the most unprofessional thing I've heard a pro athlete say. Ever. And I I listen to A.B. talk. I listen to Antonio Brown talk. I listen to Odell Beckham talk. Come on, man. That is just embarrassing that you said that, really. It's terrible. It, it really is. You don't have... You, you do know... I I know I said this last week. But you're getting paid millions of dollars to throw a football around. Yet you think it's a good idea to say that? Really? It's just completely unprofessional. Completely unprofessional. And I think Aaron Rodgers, people want to throw him into the GOAT debate. Fine, whatever. It's stupid, but whatever, right? But it, let's look at the player that most people compare, consider the GOAT. Because he, Aaron Rodgers, he is an all-time great status. And I think the status quo of all-time great quarterbacks is Tom Brady. So let's compare it to how Tom Brady earned his right to have control over the team and roster decisions on the Buccaneers, at least. He won six Super Bowls, most of which with a below, or not below average, but an average offense around him. Aaron Rodgers this year had one of the best receivers in football, if not the best, a very good offensive line, a top seven running back, a very good tight end, yet you somehow only made it to the NFC Championship, and do you know who you lost to there? I want, Guess who he lost to? He lost to Tom Brady. And then the year before that, lost in the NFC Championship again. He only won one Super Bowl. Keep that in mind. Now, yeah, I get it. He, he never had Bill Belichick. He never had the best defense in the league. Well, this year, Aaron Rodgers, I think, had the most talented offense in the league, yet he still didn't win the NFC Championship. And in today's NFL, I would say offense is more important 
Now that's up for debate, but still offense is a very important part of the game, and you had a stacked offense, yet you still couldn't get it done. Hmm. The only time you were able to get it done was in 2011, I believe, and that was a decade ago. Tom Brady won six Super Bowls in two decades. That's how he earned his... That's how you earn the ability to be like, go trade for this guy. Go sign this guy. That's how you earn that. Not just winning a Super Bowl, having a, you know, pretty good or very good career. Not just very, very good isn't good enough. To have the right to be like, go get me this player. There's a reason only Tom Brady was able to do that. Because Tom Brady earned it. He played for two decades, nearly... Before he signed with the Buccaneers, nearly two decades of NFL experience. He earned it. He he earned it. You, but you know what Rodgers did? Rodgers just whined to get it. Tom Brady led the greatest comeback of all time in the Super Bowl with a receiver core of Chris Hogan, Danny Amendola, and Julian Edelman. All All three of which, by the way, or two of which out of the league. Actually, no, Chris Hogan just signed a deal with the Saints, but he was just playing lacrosse. Let's be honest here. Two of which basically out of the league, okay? And then Danny Mandola. when was the last time he was relevant? Oh, yeah, I know what the last time he was relevant, when Tom Brady was the one throwing him the ball because Tom Brady makes these bad receivers relevant. Rodgers doesn't do that. Rodgers complains about the receivers not being relevant instead of making them. And then I think Tom Brady's greatest achievement was never threatening retirement like a whiny, arrogant child because he didn't have a super team around him. Just to come back and trash on the team in a press conference. I would say that's probably his greatest achievement. And I I know multiple quarterbacks that haven't done that. Actually, I know every single quarterback that I've seen play football other than Aaron Rodgers, did that. Because they're not arrogant children. That's the difference between Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. While Aaron Rodgers is complaining about not having great wide receivers around him, Tom Brady makes his receivers great. That's the difference between the GOAT and a pretty good quarterback. And I would be willing to forgive all of this. I would really be willing to forgive Aaron Rodgers for being an idiot and really whining to become the GM if his first move as the GM was something groundbreaking and it was something really smart. But his first move as the GM was to trade for a 30-year-old receiver who's getting paid $5.3 million this year and then $8.2 million next year. And then that receiver, by the way, hasn't been relevant in a pretty long time. Randall Cobb. I mean, he was good a couple years ago. But that that's your big move. That You had to whine and threaten retirement to get a 30-year-old receiver that's washed up, who's also getting overpaid. That That was it. That's what you needed so badly. Come on, Aaron. I get it. I I get it. You see Brady win the Super Bowl last year. 
So now you really just want uh, you want what Brady has because Brady is the golden standard of quarterbacks. But you're you're never you're never gonna be like Brady if you just keep trying to just copy what he does. And it's gonna be really more it's gonna be even more embarrassing when it doesn't work for you. Anyway, let's move on to another star quarterback with a lot of potential, a lot of potential, very very talented player. Deshaun Watson. He comes to training camp, or he was showing up to training camp, and I I believe he still is. I haven't heard anything about him not showing up anymore. But now the Texans, now that they see him again, they're all like, okay, he still wants to play football. Fine. But now we don't really want him that much. He doesn't want to play for us, and now we don't really want him. So you know what? If a team gives us five high draft picks and a, a couple of starting caliber players, we'll give them to you. Which I think would be a fair price if the rumors didn't start. Those sexual assault rumors, I don't think anyone wants to touch that with a 30-foot pole. I don't think anyone wants to have anything to do with this on watching. Until that's all wrapped up and done. I don't think anyone has wants to have anything to do with Deshaun Watson. I really don't. For now. Now once that's done and if he doesn't go to jail or whatever. Then these rumors could continue. And then we'll really see what team he gets traded to if he even does get traded. But until then, I don't see teams giving up that much. I don't. I, I think two teams right now have enough to get him. I think the Eagles have enough draft capital. And they have, I think, like Anthony Harris they could throw into the trade. Uh, you know, Lane Johnson. They, they have some stuff that they could throw in. But then the other team, and I think it would really be scary if they do, the Dolphins. Now, I, yeah, I, I get it, Tua, they draft him with the top five pick, all that stuff, but if Tua doesn't work out this year, I think this becomes a very real possibility that they trade for him. They have, en- they have enough. They could, they could give up a couple first-rounders, and then they have the talent. So I would be really, really interested in seeing Deshaun Watson on the Dolphins. And I think... Well, I don't, I highly, highly, highly doubt that this trade will happen until after the season because we got to see on Tua and we got to see if Deshaun Watson's even allowed to play. Now, let's move on to, I wanted to do a little bit more with that topic, but the thing is, you know, not really much to go off of right now. So I'm going to talk about something that, you know, I'm kind of sad to see, considering that my hometown is New York, and I still live in New York. So I talk to a lot of Giants fans basically every day. And today, or yesterday, or at least when I'm recording this, August 1st, yesterday, Pat Leonard came out and tweeted that... The Giants' offense has been struggling in training camp. Has been struggling a lot. They have not. 
They have not been doing too good. Jason Garrett, and I think the reason for it is because of Jason Garrett's being not too good of an offensive coordinator. I I don't think he could. I think his coaching scheme, and overall just as a coach, he's outdated. He really is. I don't think he's relevant anymore. And I was kind of surprised when the Giants hired him. And I mean, the the tweet that Patrick Leonard sent out made it sound like it was Galladay's fault and that he was disappointing and all that. I don't think so. So with Jason Garrett, my my main flaw with him as a coach, it, or as an offensive coordinator at least, is that he doesn't take advantage of his players' biggest strengths. He doesn't do it. One of Daniel Jones's biggest strengths as a quarterback are his deep ball, which he led the league in deep ball uh, passer rating last year. And he also runs the ball pretty well. He's He has pretty good legs. They didn't take advantage of his legs as much as they should have. And then with deep passing... They didn't throw the ball deep. They were 18th in the league in average death of the target last year. Oh, and you think that's bad? 28th in the league in deep passes last year. 28th! That's not how you take advantage of a quarterback that throws a good deep ball. It's just stupid. They also called the six most quick passes in the league last year, which is... Quick passes, they could be the foundation of your offense. If you could get quick passes off consistently, that's how you have maybe not an explosive offense, but that's how you have an efficient offense. Look at the Saints the last couple of years of Drew Brees' career. That's They lived and died off the quick pass. But despite having the six most quick passes last year, the Giants still let up 50 sacks which was tied for second most in the league last year. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. How do, you, how do you mess them up that bad? It's one thing to have the sixth most and be top 10 in sacks allowed. That's pretty bad. But second most? That is downright horrible. I don't know if that's because the quick passes are designed poorly, if Daniel Jones can't do quick passes well. I don't know what it is. But the point is, it didn't work at all. It didn't. There were, I don't, maybe it's the offensive line not being able to block. But if you thought that that was the case, why didn't they get any big name offensive linemen for agency? Doesn't make sense to me. And I think the, it would be so stupid if they continue to not, throw the ball deep, because now they have John Ross and Kenny Galladay, so now you don't even, you don't only have a quarterback that's good at throwing the deep ball, now you have two receivers that are great at catching the deep ball, now you have no reason not to throw the ball deep, except the offensive line, but then you would think, if the offensive line is as bad as making it sound, wouldn't they, wouldn't they sign a big name free agent offensive lineman? Instead of instead of John Ross, the guy who wasn't relevant since the day he was drafted. No, I don't, I don't get it. You, Riley Reef 
would have been a great addition to this team, but they chose not to. And they're a young offense. They're a young group of offensive linemen, so maybe they could improve, and I'm hoping that they do. But if they don't, I mean, the Giants fans are in for another tough, tough season to watch. I think that this is a great place to end it, pissing off my entire hometown, and I'm pretty sure most of the people that listen to this podcast live in New York. So, unless you're a Jets fan, I'm sorry, I'm just telling you, how it is. So I'm going to go eat some pizza with my friends because they're getting mad at me for taking too long to record. I hope you enjoy listening to the Goal Line Podcast, hosted 7 p.m. every Monday. Bye.